0: Welcome to the Wealth Tech Winner's Circle podcast. In this podcast, we break down the technology challenges that are impacting today's financial professionals. Our goal is to identify these challenges and potentially uncover solutions across tech integrations, adoption, emerging technology, evaluating solutions, and more. Through this content, we hope to help professionals avoid common pitfalls and move their services towards an award-winning strategy for 2020 and beyond. Hosted by Tim Welsh, President, Nexus Strategy, and Consultant to the Wealthies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wealth Tech Winner's Circle podcast. My name is Tim Welsh, and I'm joined with Kevin Ruth from Wealthcare Planning. Kevin, welcome to the podcast, and maybe get started. Tell us a little about yourself, your background, sort of what you do at the Wealthcare Planning, and sort of about the company, and... Any other fun facts you think the audience might want to know about you?
1: All right, Tim. Thank you. Well, first, thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. As Tim said, my name is Kevin Ruth. I am the uh, interim CEO of Wealthcare Planning. I've only been in the role, the role for just over about a week. So Tim, as we go through this, uh, this interview here, I may not be able to answer all your questions, but I'm going to do my best. I joined the firm just over a week ago because I really think it has an important mission. What our firm does is it helps financial advisors to identify and mitigate the risks to older adults, especially as it relates to their financial security. And then what are those risks? Those risks are high healthcare costs, unplanned long term care costs, financial decision making capacity, where there's diminished financial decision making capacity, which is a big deal. A lot of clients have gaps in their estate plan, or they have missing or incomplete documents, it could be healthcare directors or just wills. For older clients, there's always a concern around financial fraud and abuse. And then there's this issue of kind of transition planning of when you're going to, are you going to, are you going to age in your home for the rest of your life? Or are you going to transition to a assisted living facility or some other type of home? And then driving is always a big deal. When is the right time to look for alternative means of transportation where it's not safe for you to actually drive? So that's what our firm does. Again, I've been at it for a week, really proud of what our mission is, and I think it's a if you think about the demographics, it's a it's aging baby boomer population. I think it's a great time to focus on this this area of the market. Prior to joining wealthcare planning, I really only had two jobs my entire career. Real, I've been a I was an army officer after getting out of the military after getting out of West Point. I was in the four years of active duty and four years inactive reserve. And then I've been a financial planner my entire life. So I've been a financial planner for over 25 years. And even though I've been in larger corporations like Merrill Lynch, UBS, and Fidelity. The reality is, is I've always been a financial planner. I've run financial planning departments. I've run trust companies. I've run insurance companies. But at my core, I am a certified financial planner. That's what I do for a living. And I'm happy to bring those skills to a wealth care planning. That's kind of my overview, Tim. I don't know if you want to know anything personal about me. I can say about my family if you'd like, but that's kind of my career.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's pretty relevant, you know, based on uh, what wealth care does. And it sounds like even though you've been through all week, you probably had a 30-year career in prepping for these type of planning issues.
1: For sure. I mean, this is something, you know, as you just think about the evolution of our business. 25 years ago, we were talking about asset management, asset allocation, and getting people into diversified portfolios. The real push has been around financial planning, which is retirement planning, insurance planning, estate planning. And just comprehensive financial planning, and to me, this is just a natural extension of that really longevity planning, which is baby boomers, everyone's living longer. Baby boomers, there's a, we all know that they have the wealth. Um, they're living longer. Dementia has become a really big issue among that population of adults. And um, we really feel wealth care planning is well-situated to try to help advisors address those needs.
0: Yep. So this is the Wealthy's Winners podcast. So tell us a little about your initiative from 2019. I understand it was a thought leadership for your educational materials, because I know that's a big component of the platform. What's what's the thought process around having those educational materials for advisors?
1: Yeah, so um, we're really proud that we won this award, and we're really proud of our Wealthcare Academy and Education Center. And what we realized when we got into this business was that these are typically topics that most financial advisors are not comfortable um, discussing with their clients. These are topics that really don't get discussed with clients, and so things about aging, About you know transitioning your home, about when you're going to stop driving, about are all your financial affairs in order? Dementia, elder abuse, fraud—the things that really I don't think a lot of advisors talk about. So we knew in order to create these very simple assessments that the advisors could use with their clients to start these conversations, the first thing we need to do is have the advisors get comfortable with the topics. And so our education center we built, we used industry experts. We have uh, psychologists, doctors. Other experts in the industry who really help guide the advisors with materials, everything from just basic, you know, education materials, thought leadership to videos where we have testimonials, videos where people come in and talk about their own personal situation where they've had something go wrong in this area and just try to get the advisor to be very, very comfortable with these topics. We provide checklists, we provide even helping with like what technologies are out there and available for elder clients to deal with some of these issues, making their home age appropriate so they can live in their home for the rest of their lives. All these topics that, again, most advisors aren't comfortable with. We've built this thought leadership to give them this information and it was received very well and we're very proud of the award we won.
0: Yep, fantastic. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a bigger picture. You know, you work with advisors your whole career and you know how technology has a role in all that. What do you think some of the challenges are for firms these days and on this side of that coin, what are some of the opportunities as we look at a technology opportunity for firms who are really looking to become more comprehensive financial planning focused?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting for me because I've been in this business for almost 30 years. And as I mentioned to you, I've, I've run financial planning departments at three very large firms with big budgets and we've, we've launched a lot of technology. And I can tell you over my 30 year career, I think there's two items that continue to be the biggest challenges for us. One is around adoption, and I think the other is around integration. You know, when you think about all the technology, and I was out at the T3 conference last week in San Diego, and you walk around all these booths and you see this amazing technology that's out there from firms that we've known and have been in the business for a long time and firms that are just starting up and getting going, and you see all this amazing technology. When you dig a little deeper, what you realize is that even if advisors have some technology on their desktops, the utilization of that software is very, very low, but they only use just a component of it. And to me, again, financial planning is near and dear to my heart. I know some of the really big players that are out there, the e the money guide pros have implemented those softwares at large firms. And the reality is, is those are extremely powerful softwares, but the very little adoption on the actual full capabilities of those, of those softwares. I mean, they're great powerful softwares. But for the most part, advisors may use just the asset allocation or retirement section. They don't use the account aggregation or the estate planning section. Again, these are really powerful softwares, wonderful softwares, but the adoption is just really low. My very good friend and partner, Steve Gresham, talks a lot about this and writes a lot about this, but he says adoption is the new innovation. And I really agree with them. I think to me, if we don't innovate at all anymore with new technologies, I think just the the technologies we have, getting advisors to really utilize the full capabilities is really, really important. So to me, adoption is one of those big, big challenges. The second one for me is integration. Even if you have all these great technologies on your platform and you're using them, for the most part, we still put it on the advisor's back to have to integrate everything. In order to go out to the client and have it look like the client has a seamless, integrated experience, and the experience is really, really important, that integration is really done, it needs to be done by the advisor. And I think um, we, we need to do better there. And I, again, I was out at the T3 conference last week. You see firms that are working on this. You see firms that are entering this space to try to really solve this problem. But I do think still integration is a really big deal. Um, again, I've worked at three of the largest firms in the United States. And We struggled with these same issues. It's not just if you're a small RIA that you have these integration issues. The large firms have it too. Everyone wants to launch the next great piece of software, the next great technology that helps an advisor, but sometimes we forget about the integration aspects and how does it all fit together and how do we make the life of the advisor easier? Because in my mind, when the advisor is sitting in their office messing around with technology and it's hard for them to use, we would do a disservice to them and to their clients because their highest and best use is being out in front of clients, and that's where they, they should be. And so, to me, we need to really solve two things that I think have been in the industry for a long time, which is uh, the lack of adoption and the lack of integration of technology.
0: Yeah, great answer. I think those are top of mind for everyone. And you know, it just seems like there's uh, tremendous opportunities for the ecosystem to step in there going forward. So you know, along those lines, you know, we hear all about client experience. Sort of code for Amazon. How can we get this industry to much more digitally engage, make the process easy, one or two clicks versus paper signatures, et cetera? So, you know, when you think about your experience and what opportunities there are out there on the client experience, so where do you see it all going? How can we really make more streamlined opportunities? You've mentioned integration, maybe that's top of your mind. What do you think? Yeah, Tim. So,
1: you know, my, I have a very good friend, Stuart Rubenstein, who used to say at Fidelity all the time, your last great digital experience is your is your n- new expectation for your next experience. And I actually think that's true. And so you mentioned Amazon, right? So they, they've they set an experience, a client experience for all of us that now we just expect. So when you go order on any other website and it tells you it's going to be delivered in a week or two weeks, you're just like, what are you, crazy? Well, how could that take so long? I mean, Amazon gets it to me sometimes the same day. And so... I, I think that's how we have to think about the opportunities going forward. Like we know that there's these companies out there that have done it really well, and they've set a very high bar for client experiences. And I think as our industry, we've got to get there too. And as I said before, to me, the way I think about it is how do we simplify things? You know, technology was supposed to make all our lives easier, but boy, when I talk to financial advisors, I think sometimes all this technology has made it a lot harder for them to do their job, and it's taken time away from their clients, where I believe that's their highest and best use. To me. The financial advisors I've met over my 30-year career, they do wonderful things for clients. They help clients achieve their goals. They help clients meet their life's dreams, send their kids to college. And to me, I think it's a shame that sometimes we just don't do a good enough job making their lives easier. And so I think our biggest opportunity is around adoption, but also around integration. And anything you can do to make it easier for the advisor so they can spend more time with their clients, I think is the biggest opportunity we have in this industry. I think that's what, if you look at the wealth care planning tools, you know, if you look at them, they're kind of simple. You send an email out to your client kind of as a pre-meeting conversation. The client spends about five minutes going over the, the questions. A report gets generated that has some action and action ideas and some, or points out some maybe issues or concerns um, based on how the client answered. And it has a, it has a great conversation for that advisor. It takes the advisor almost no time to send the email. They just have to send the email the client does the work five minutes or less, but then they can have a robust conversation about these really important topics when they see each other. And to me, we feel, you know, technology should be the enabler and, and give you scale as an advisor, but the advisor is the most important you know, component in the relationship. And we think it's vital to having our tools work really well is that advisor having those conversations with their clients.
0: Excellent. Fantastic. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, the other sort of buzzword we heard out there, and uh, I've coined this phrase, have we reached peak robo And that, you know, advisors sort of gotten over the angst they used to feel about being replaced by a robot? And now we know that the human part of the process will always be there because of just the behavioral finance aspects that you you mentioned around uh, financial planning and how that all works together. But I mean, can you see the robots existing with the human delivery of ice? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, you know, I've... <coughs> I've never been afraid of
1: the the robo-advisors. To me, I think they're good for our industry. I do think that when they first kind of popped up, there was this idea of are, are the robots going to replace the human beings. I, I was never concerned with that. I don't know if we've reached our peak because, again, as being at that conference last week, there's just a lot of smart people out there with really great ideas trying to solve big problems. And so could the next great robo-advisor come along that just blows us all away? I wouldn't put it past anyone because I've just seen there's really, really smart people out there. But I think there's general agreement now that I think you need both. You need to have use technology for what technology can do and provide scale and automation. But when it comes to people needing to make really important decisions, they want to talk to someone. And to me, I think about it similar to an airplane pilot. You know, you think about for those, those really important moments, takeoff, landing, you know, taxiing to the gate, taxiing from the gate. The airlines they'll have a robot. Take over. They're not on autopilot when they're doing that. When they get up to their cruising altitude and they're at 30,000 feet and they're leveling off, then they turn on autopilot. And I think that's the same with our industry. To me, if clients are just moving along and everything's going well and we have an 11 year bull market, maybe you put it on autopilot for a while. But for those moments that matter, there's a death in the family, you want to save for education you want to plan for your estate, you want to give money to your university or to your favorite charity. For those moments that matter, I think people are always going to want to talk to someone and not be on autopilot. I think they're going to want to have a human interaction. And so to me, I think uh, humans and robots are going to go together. I think there'll always be a need for both. And definitely in those moments that matter, I think you're going to want to talk to somebody and not be on autopilot.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that's a A great way of thinking about it, um, you know. So, other emerging tech, um, AI. We hear a lot of hype around artificial intelligence. Do you see any use cases for AI in wealth management right now, or in the planning process, or are we just kind of too early for that type of a big data application?
1: You know, so I've been I've been fortunate enough, and again, I, my, my last company I worked at was Fidelian Investments. They put in a lot of resources, technology, and really smart people behind artificial intelligence and machine learning, and I really got to see it firsthand how important it is, you know, and where I've seen it so far is really just in um, automating of processes or procedures that people were doing that was taking a lot of time, very manual processes where you can actually, once you kind of document the process, you can then program a computer to do it. And what you find is a computer can do it faster, better, less errors. And you also find as they learn over time, that maybe there's a better way of doing it, or maybe that process is something you don't have to do at all because there's a better way to do it. And so I've seen it work. I've seen artificial intelligence and machine learning work. And I do believe when you think about just an advisor's day-to-day practice and everything they do from marketing to sales to implementation to client relationships to ongoing relationship management, there's a lot of process in there that I think artificial intelligence and machine learning can come in and help, again, to make the advisor more productive so that advisor can spend more time doing what they really are great at, which is being in front of clients.
0: Yep. I think you're right on with something with that, those comments for sure. You know, big trends are always hitting our industry. And uh, I think you guys focus on one that I want to kind of point out, which is longevity. How long are we going to live? You know, what, what does this impact? What does this mean to the wealth management space?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I do think that, you know, if you look at most firms and you look at their websites and their marketing material and their advertising, they still talk about... You know, planning for retirement, saving money for the future, asset management. And to me, if you just think about the demographics, the largest demographics with all the money are the baby boomers. And for the most part, they're past that phase of their lives, you know. And so to me, longevity should be what every firm is really focused on right now. And that's why we're focused on it. And I just don't see a lot of firms, I hear a lot of firms starting to talk about it. I hear a lot of firms are interested in the topic because I think they understand the demographics. I just don't see a lot of firms pivoting and actually doing anything about it. And because you really think about it, right? When you think about talking to your parents or somebody who's in their 60s or 70s or 80s, are they really worried about the next hot stock that's out there? Are they really more concerned about their long-term care costs or the concern around long-term care, their healthcare costs, which is a big concern for everyone, the fact that they're hearing about their friends and their and other people that they have the same age dealing with diminished financial decision making capacity. There's this whole area of study around older adults who live alone and the loneliness factor and how being lonely is why they pick up that phone and they talk to telemarketers and they and they, they deal with fraud and abuse because they just want to have interaction with another person. And you know, then again. As you get older, eventually turning over your financial decisions to someone, deciding where you're going to live, and deciding when you're going to how you're going to handle your transportation, those are the topics that boomers want to talk about. And I just think longevity is the new hot planning topic. That's why I decided to join this company a week and a half ago. I'm really passionate about it, as I mentioned early on. I was a financial planner my entire career, and I just think there's right now nothing more important than having these type of conversations. And I really think once. You deal with this personally, which I did three years ago. It hits you right in between the eyes. You realize the importance of having these conversations and having being prepared for these issues. It's not if these things are going to happen; it's when they're going to happen. And so, um, you know, being prepared because if you're not, you're going to have to react to them. And that's where you see just a tragedy, or you just stay, you just see families really struggle and have a difficult time because they didn't prepare. And so, yeah, I do believe macro trend longevity. People are living a really long time. I think the, they just mentioned, I think, earlier this week that the oldest person was 112 years old and passed away. I mean, who would have thought living to 112?
0: Well, well, that's my goal. So uh, maybe you can help me with your wealth. <laughs> um, I would like to, we would we happy to do that with you, Jim. Happy to yeah. do it. With you. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that. So tell me, so how do the wealth care tools help with the longevity conversation? It sounds like it could be a good way to bridge the gap for advisors maybe not comfortable with these kind of conversations.
1: Yeah, so what they do is really they just, they, they're conversation starters. And so what we found is a lot of times, um, you know, having a conversation about these topics is a little awkward. And so by just sending the client one of our assessments, we have not broken down into kind of modular assessments. You can be anything from financial caregiving to transition, living in transition to driving transition to long term care. We have about nine different assessments that you can actually send to your clients. They t- again, they take less than five minutes to complete. They're really easy for the client to do. But what it does is the, the responses you get back then start that conversation with the client at your next meeting. And so, and the, and the, the client could decide that, you know what, they don't want to share the, share the information or they may be uncomfortable with it. But the reality is, as we've seen that, people seem to be more comfortable answering questions on their laptop in their home than they are actually answering the questions in person in an office. And so, we actually think that that digital interaction is really important because people seem more inclined to be truthful when they're telling their answers to a computer than when they're actually telling to someone in person. And so, um, again, very simple for an advisor to do. They just literally click, do two clicks. An email goes out with whatever assessment they want to have the conversation with the client on. The client fills out the assessment. There's a report generated. The report has areas of concern. It may have action steps. It may have to-dos, areas to focus on really simple and they have a conversation around it and for us we, we feel just that idea of having that conversation and having some solutions is really vital to the client just the ability to have that conversation is important and what we found is a lot of times the client says you know what I really think my my son-in-law my daughter or my, my son should come in here and, and hear this because this is really important stuff and um, we want to hear from we want my, my, my family to hear about these these issues and what I'm what I'm dealing with and that's a great way to introduce a second generation into the relationship and start forming a conversation with you know the second or third generation.
0: Yeah, very very interesting and um I think uh, timeliness is everything so it sounds like you guys are on something for sure. So at the same time you know we see our industry sort of you know evolving quickly as well. Consolidation seems to be around every corner. Custodians are buying other custodians, broker dealers are merging, you see other tech companies get acquired. You know, if you're an advisor, how should I think about this? Who should I select for as my partners? What sort of considerations? Uh, you've been in this business for a long time and you've seen many, many of these. So, any kind of advice or guidance uh, you could provide on that?
1: You know, it's been interesting being in this business for a really long time. You've you kind of, this has been like a natural evolution if you think about it. I remember in the early 2000s, we were looking at advisors who started breaking away from larger warehouses and starting to set up their own shops. And that was kind of a you know, a newer, Bad or idea that's going on, and you just look at the way assets have moved over the last, you know, twenty plus years since then, and you see they're leaving the larger firms, and all the asset growth is coming from the independent RA marketplace. And and to me, so you had that happening over the last twenty years, and I think what happens is you get to the point where these advisors got to the you know to a point in their career where they're thinking about their succession, what's next for them, and so. You know, being independent and growing the way they have, I think it's just naturally where you're going to be looking for either a partner to merge with or to be acquired or somehow, you know, join forces with so that you have some type of uh, legacy and succession plan. And so on the advisor front, I think it was this has been a really natural evolution Um, from the kind of custodians and technology firms. You know, having worked for three really large firms, when you think about like innovation in our industry, for the most part, it does come from smaller startup firms. Where they someone has a great idea, they take it and run with it, and they they make a mark, and then eventually, a larger firm comes in and actually acquires that company. And so, again, I think that's pretty normal in the marketplace. But you know, there's there's still really large custodians out there. You have your you know Schwab's and your Merrill's, TD going with Schwab, Pershing, they all do a wonderful job. And I've, i I was when I talked to a, the institutional guys from Fidelity, I always say, man. You guys have a tough business because you're all just on the margin with kind of what's your value proposition relative to the other because they all just do such a really wonderful job. and It's why when you talk to advisors, they typically don't just have one custodian. They typically have their money at two or three custodians because, again, I I think it's really hard to differentiate there.
0: Yep. Definitely interesting times. You know, we're in year 2020, sort of the year of vision, very nice round number there. Do you look out to what sort of initiatives, things that the wealth care planning uh, team is working on well what can we expect to see yes yeah, so you know we started when we started this company a couple of years ago and again i wasn't
1: involved at the startup our focus was predominantly on the independent channel and rias and we're going to always serve that marketplace we think it's important and we want to continue to serve it but we've made a strategic decision to also include trying to do enterprise solutions with independent broker dealers and wirehouses and insurance companies we do think the, for the longevity of the company those type of enterprise integrations are really important to us. That's the world I've come from. I've been doing enterprise-wide deployments for my entire career at Merrill Lynch, UBS, and Fidelity. And so I feel really comfortable doing those, and it's important. And so what you're going to see is really quickly, probably within the next month, 3.0 version of our software coming out, which is going to be much more geared towards simple assessments, easy to use, which it's easy to use already. We're going to make it even easier. And you know the ability to really integrate into larger corporations and integrate being the key, as I mentioned early on, one of the challenges uh, we don't want our software just sitting out as a standalone where the advisor has to use it. The advisor has to key in, you know, rekey information or have a client rekey information. We just think that's a travesty. If you've got to, if, if a company has data already on a client, we should be able to pull it in and use it. And for most of the stuff, that means you can just press a button with our tools and assessments and start working directly with the client because we're going to be totally integrated. And so we want to integrate in with those companies and not be a standalone. And that's our future for 2020.
0: Great. Sounds very exciting. You know, along those lines, yeah, we're looking at a shameless plug here for the wealthies, our annual event to recognize the best firms in the industry, you know, as uh, wealth care planning looks to those some of those initiatives, what do you think you might be looking at in terms of nomination on the tech side or on your academic studies or, or innovations or, or specialized planning aspects, So, what's sort of uh, the thinking here is, as we look into the future of the next round of the awards?
1: Yeah, so, you know, actually for 2019, we were actually nominated for three awards. We won for the thought leadership, as you mentioned, but we were also nominated for risk profiling and specialized planning capabilities. and. I would like to see us nomi- nominated again for those. And we lost out to two very, very worthy firms, Riskalyze on the profiling size and e-money for their planning capabilities. And we, we, we understand why we did not win those categories. But if you think about us from a risk profiling standpoint, we're not doing risk management, uh, risk profiling from an investment point of view. We're looking at it from a behavior, cognitive, and financial literacy standpoint. And I just don't think there's anybody in the industry who's looking at it from those three dimensions. And so I think as as we're better known in the industry and people get to really know our firm, I think you're going to see we're really unique there. And also in the planning capabilities, again, I think right now we're the only firm that's truly focused on the longevity, longevity planning and the baby boomers. And so I would love to see us nominated in those two categories again, and hopefully we can win this time. And then again, around innovation, I do think This idea that we've we've done this, use technology to make it very simple for advisors to engage with clients, I do think more firms need to do that. Make technology really easy to use. That's what we do.
0: Great, Great. Well, we definitely look forward to those. Thank you again, Kevin, for being on the Wealth Tech Winner's Circle podcast. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.